Thank you for tuning in to the Bread of the Word podcast. Bread of the Word is an online ministry striving to feed people the life-sustaining bread of God's Word. Bread of the Word exists for the reclamation of the Bible in the heart, mind, and walk of all the saints of God, for it is the Bible itself which is the ultimate standard by which people are to live and honor God. Thank you for tuning in. This is Bread of the Word. Welcome back to the Bread of the Word podcast, Reclaiming the Bible and Exalting Christ, one verse at a time. My name is Tyler, and we are continuing our study in the book of Ecclesiastes. And we will be going through verses 4 through 11 this afternoon. And it says, A generation goes, and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises, and the sun goes down, and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. So, as we saw last week, Ecclesiastes opens with Solomon stating a problem. And as we see here... He is analyzing that problem from several faceted angles, trying to see the world for what it is, despite how ugly and unpleasant it might seem. And Solomon, through the medium of poetry, is comparing man with nature. It appears, Solomon says, that God preserves nature and dooms man to obscurity and impermanence. Solomon postulates that the march of time is unfair. As he said in verse 3, what does a person gain for all his efforts that he labors at under the sun? In other words, what's the point? We die. The earth will continue after we are gone, so why bother with anything? This brings us back to the question of meaning. In light of the immensities of creation, we seem small and insignificant, inconsequential in comparison with, say, Jupiter. But are we? And as, as was last week, I refer to the book of Genesis, verse one, chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that, that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. 
God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. Humankind was made in the image of God. Amoebas were not. Jupiter was not. We as humans have a unique relationship to our Creator. We were made in His image. He placed His indelible mark on humans as His. In a world where gods and goddesses were still were and still are represented in artwork, the Jews and eventually the Christians don't because they are the image of God. We do not make images to represent God because we are the image. However, that image was defaced by sin, as we saw last week with the fall. And we become corrupted by that sin, that this image of God has been defaced. It's been corrupted. And so what this version of humanity that we all see is but a corruptible shadow of what God had originally made. And we become corrupted by that sin and need to be remade. Paul elaborates in the book of Romans, chapter 8, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Not only that, but we ourselves, who have the Spirit of God as first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption and the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope we were saved, but hope that is not seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? Now if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly, eagerly wait for it, with patience. Romans 8, verse, verses 20 through 25. So as we look at this world, it is not what it should be. It has gotten away from what it was created for. And God has sovereignly upheld this fallen world while bringing about its redemption through the person and work of Christ. Because God cares about his creation. It says in Psalm 8, what is a human being? that you remember him, a son of man that you look after him. You made him a little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. And this is about Christ, that Christ came down from heaven, that he descended to the lowest part of the creation, to the earth, this, this seemingly insignificant little marble in the thick black blanket of space. He comes down to this, this little planet with these, these small little things called people. And he lives as a human being. He lives with us. He becomes lower than the angels and God. And God. He steps down from glory. And he dwells among us. As one of us. While maintaining that uh, standing as God. While being perfectly united between the nature of God and the nature of man. And he brings about good out of this fallen world that he remakes through this he remakes this cruel and unfair world to bring about good and not just any good but the highest good the kind of good that restores us to the garden
This is what Christ does. This is what the cross did. The cross reconciles us to God through the sacrificing of Christ in our place for the sins we committed. That Christ has satisfied the wrath of God, the justice of God for that sin that defaced the image of God. And through that blood, that shedding of blood, he is reconciling people to God and restoring this world to what it was in Genesis 2. And that will be completed when he comes back. And so until then, we are witnessing the systematic breakdown of all that is that does not honor God and the systematic build-up of everything that does. Back to the text. Verse 8 says, All things are wearisome, more than anyone can say. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. So in this short, inconsequential life, says Solomon, we are dissatisfied. We are starving for hollow pleasures and pursuits, and will ultimately be forgotten in their pursuit. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among the, those who come after. And that doesn't seem like a life many of us want to live. And many who question their faith struggle with this point. But this view is based on the idea that this life is all that there is. But that's simply not what the Bible tells us. Hebrews chapter 9 says, And just as it was appointed for people to die once, and after this judgment, so also Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. This empty feeling we all know so well is a foreshadowing of the emptiness that we bring before God, our judge. And rather than looking to Christ in it, we go to the ravens of this world and ask, Is there balm in Gilead? To which the ravens respond, Nevermore. But there is fullness of life that can be known. That this empty feeling, this hollow feeling that we all know so well, is not how it's supposed to be. There is more to this life and to the life to come. And this ultimately brings us back to the character and nature of God. Jesus himself said, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Oftentimes when we read that phrase yoke, we think of oxen. That oxen, you would um, link pairs of oxen together to drive a plow in the, the days that Christ had said this. But I don't personally believe that he's talking about an oxen yoke, because in that day you also had human yokes. There was a big bar you would set on your shoulder and you hang buckets from it and carry things. I believe that Jesus is talking about a personal burden. Not a corporate burden, but a personal one. That this burden that every one of us as individuals carries of, of our sin, of our depravity, of our hollow emptiness. 
And Christ came to redeem us from that and to make us brand new according to the image of God that we were originally made to bear. Matthew Henry puts it this way, Christ is our Noah, whose name signifies rest. And note that Jesus Christ will give assured rest to those weary souls, that by a lively faith will come to him for it. Rest from the terror of sin, in a well-grounded peace of conscience, rest from the power of sin, in a regular order of the soul, and its due government of itself, a rest in God, and a complacency of soul in his love. There is rest from the burden of independence. There is rest from the cruelties of a fallen world. That what, how this passage opens, vanity of vanities, does not have to be how it ends. Because the march of time tells us that there is more to this life and we have to live in accordance and in light of the whole thing. Not just that sliver of it right in front of us. Come to Jesus Christ and be made whole, redeemed, and restored according to his likeness, his character, his image who has satisfied the wrath of God on your account. And he beckons you to come into his family to receive the adoption and redemption of your body, as Paul said in Romans. Because as, he, as Paul also wrote, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, God did. By sending his own Son, in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your, to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Bread of the Word podcast. I pray that it has been beneficial to your walk with God and that he has called you into a deeper relationship and fellowship with himself. If you want to hear more from Bread of the Word, feel free to hit that subscribe button down at the bottom. Get notified about new content whenever we go live. Um, you can also watch us on Rumble Video and YouTube, or you can listen on your favorite podcast platforms. Um, you can also find us on social media. If you want to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Gab, 
links will be provided in the bio um, if you would like to check those out. And there will also be a message in the comment section, um, a free gospel message for download entitled The Two J's, The Joy of the Potter and the Journey of the Clay. That's something that I've written, that's something God laid on me to write and then send out. And so I'm not making anything off of it. I'm not selling it. It is free for you to read and share. We need a further saturation of the gospel in our world, in our culture. And it starts right here. Bread of the Word Ministries exists for the reclamation of the Bible and the exaltation of Christ through the reading and teaching of His holy transformative word. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. God bless. Matthew 4.4 4.